Get Brian Mudd. Download your iHeartRadio app and turn up News Radio 610 WIOD. It is 10.36. Welcome back. Justice Thomas, in his concurrence, not only suggests this, but calls for the court to overrule those other cases. So I do think this goes well beyond abortion. ABC's Kate Shaw there. And uh, yeah, we did actually get probably what was the most closely watched decision aside from Friday's abortion ruling that had yet been rendered. That being the religious liberty case. Brought you that breaking news about 20 minutes ago. Here from for some additional analysis is Quinn Brogdon once again from Crane Brogdon Rogers. Appreciate the time as always. Hey, uh, doing pretty well. I think our connection might be great. Um, Let me try again. Can you hear me better now? That's perfect. That's perfect. Okay. Good morning. Hey, good morning. And uh, one thing in particular, so about this religious liberty case, and I want to set it up just kind of this way. One of my frustrations in in life has been the lack of understanding regarding the Establishment Clause. You know, it's become this ism in society that there is a separation of church and state. But... Actually, in, in the Constitution, there is not. It's that there shall not be an established state religion, a vast difference. Hence why, for example, we even have on our currency in God we trust. So to that end, uh, Quentin, is that ultimately the the kind of um, statement that's being sent by the Supreme Court in this religious liberty case? I think it is. And there's been a steady migration by the court in recent years towards allowing expressions of religion as long as they do not unduly infringe on those who are choosing not to participate. In this case, you're referring to Kennedy versus Bremerton School District, just handed down, as you said, about 15 or 20 minutes ago. This coach, Joseph Kennedy, was fired in 2015 from his job as a high school coach for praying on the field at the end of games. And he wasn't requiring anybody to participate, but one of the parents whose son was an atheist was concerned that the son would lose playing time if the son did not participate. I haven't had a chance to read that opinion. It was just handed down. But my guess is the court you know, balanced the, the interests here and basically said nobody's rights are being unduly infringed upon. This is not being required, and therefore we're going to allow it. You know, Quentin, to the point of what you just mentioned, one of my frustrations at the onset in this case, beyond the establishment cause having been bastardized, by so many in the society, including lower courts up to this point, is the the damage situation. We'll commonly hear, hey, this legal challenge lacks standing. And some cases that might be because there actually isn't damage that can be presented by, you know, the, the plaintiff in a particular case. And so given that there never was evidence by the original, you know, uh, parent who brought this to begin with I, I wasn't it a, a bit of a stretch that it ever even was was granted legitimacy in the courts don't you have to prove that there's actually been damage first generally that is that is true brian and my guess is as i said again i haven't seen the opinion but my guess is the opinion is referencing and will reference and has referenced the lack of any damage to the the son here any proof that he was actually denied playing time that he suffered any adverse action 
by not participating or by indicating any reluctance to participate. So I think you're on to something there, and I would not be surprised at all if the court's opinion notes that. Are there implications beyond this specific case? Obviously, you take Friday's case. It wasn't just a matter of upholding Mississippi's abortion law. It was a matter of overturning Roe v. Wade specifically. Is this a decision that is somewhat isolated to this particular case, or are the implications greater? I I think you need to look no further than the Dobbs opinion itself, the the opinion in the case overturning Roe last week, to find both sides of that argument, because Samuel Alito, who authored the majority opinion in Dodds, tried at least to limit the applicability of it, because the dissent, the the three liberal justices said, you're opening Pandora's box, essentially. You're opening the gateway to overturning cases on birth control, right to engage in private consensual sex acts, same-sex marriage, because those cases are based on that same substantive due process analysis under the 14th Amendment, that Roe was. Alito, on the other hand, said, no, abortion is different because it destroys the life of an unborn human being. And Alito maintained, at least, that none of those other substantive due process decisions on birth control, private consensual sex, or same-sex marriage are in jeopardy necessarily and automatically, and that Dobbs does not undermine them in any way. Those were his exact words. Dobbs does not undermine them in any way. Clarence Thomas, on the other hand, in his concurrence, said, no, we need to revisit all of those cases, and they are subject now to being struck down, and they should have, you know, they were wrongly decided in the first place. So the two two of the conservative justices basically outlined the debate, and the dissent, of course, highlighted the, the fear that this will open, you know, a slippery slope. It will start us down that slippery slope. So time, only time will tell, but you could certainly argue that Dobbs now supports undermining or limiting or overturning those earlier cases. Do you think the the Supreme Court, the current incarnation of the court, and even as we're about to have a, a new Supreme Court justice step in there, won't change the, the composition, do you think that it's it's changed and that this had been Roberts Court? He's obviously the chief justice, but we had seen up to this point the newer justices in less Gorsuch, but to a certain extent, but but Amy Coney Barrett, Brett Kavanaugh, they had largely stayed with the the overall judgment of Roberts. And obviously they have gone the other way now. Do you think that swings the court in in more of a conservative direction than what it had seemed to be a bit of an incrementalist approach by by Roberts. Uh, I think absolutely that conclusion is inescapable. And Roberts, in his concurrence in this Dobbs case, case overturning Roe, I mean, he pointedly said, I join, I, Roberts, join in the majority holding eliminating viability, namely, you know, the ability to survive outside the womb as a test. Robert said, I, I, I never thought that was workable. But Roberts wrote that he would have upheld the Mississippi 15-week ban. That's what the Dobbs case was looking at. But he would have done it without overturning Roe. And, and Roberts wrote about re- judicial restraint, and his quote was, if it is not necessary to decide more to dispose of a case, then it is necessary not to decide more. And that's a long-standing principle that, 
when you're deciding these kinds of weighty cases with all these implications, you decide as a court, particularly the Supreme Court, only what you have to decide. And Roberts basically was accusing the conservative majority, as you said now with Kavanaugh and the rest, of going beyond deciding things they did not have to decide in order to uphold this Mississippi 15-week ban. Quinn Brogdon, Crane Brogdon Rogers, always appreciate it. Thank you very much. Take care, Brian, and be safe in Florida. You got it. You as well. In Texas. We're uh, right now one of eight states. We'll talk about this coming up next hour, but one of eight states where abortion is now illegal. So implications are many across our 50 different states right now. All right, uh, we're going to have Natalie in a trending story up next here at the Brian Mudd Show. News Radio 610 WIOD.